Thanks for pressing play. This is Lockhead on Marketing, the oddcast that examines the strategies behind what makes legendary marketing legendary. On this episode, let's talk about why category is the new strategy. We are sponsored by the good folks at Oracle NetSuite. You can learn how to turbocharge the growth of your business at netsuite.com different. And while you're there, as a listener to this oddcast, you'll be able to set up a free one-hour growth review with an expert in your industry. NetSuite is the platform for turbocharging your growth, and they want to help you figure out how to do that. So go to netsuite.com different and set up your free growth review today. Now, hey-ho, let's go. This is Lockhead on Marketing, the podcast that helps you develop the lens for what makes legendary marketing legendary. Hosted by Christopher Lockhead, three-time CMO, godfather of category design, and a high school dropout, who the Marketing Journal calls one of the best minds in marketing, and The Economist calls off-putting to some. All right, so why is category the new strategy? I, I would assert to you that um, this category conversation has become, if not the hottest conversation in, in marketing, certainly one of them and one of the biggest conversations in, uh, in business, particularly in Silicon Valley. I would assert to you that legendary companies are not doing things that are what you would call incrementally better. And I'm not saying there isn't a place for incrementalism. Um, but companies that want to do legendary shit don't focus on the incremental. They are focused on what you might think of as the exponential different. And as a side note, on a personal level, you know, my dream is one day more people focus on their exponentially different than their incrementally better. But I think that's incredibly true and incredibly important in business. Now, why is that the case? The most legendary companies introduce the world to entirely new categories of business, entirely new ways of doing things. These are the companies that shape our lives, and frankly, they design a different future for all of us. The most legendary marketers, entrepreneurs, inventors, and creators of any kind are on a mission to make the future different. Versus the companies who want to profit from the world being the same, and I think that's an important distinction. Um, if you're trying to do marketing that, that doesn't move the needle, but just drives some revenue in a, in a category, a market category, you hope remains stagnant and the same, um, A, this is the wrong podcast for you, and B, um, maybe you need to get a job at the DMV because the rate of technology and category change we have today is unprecedented. We all know that, and I think... The most exciting companies are not ones that are betting on the past being the future, but are the ones that are betting on the future being different. And they want to be the companies that create that future by giving us new ways of living, thinking, or doing business. Often, sometimes by solving a problem we didn't know we had, or maybe a problem we never paid any attention to. Um... You know, and there's some big examples started by biggie entrepreneurs, and those are pretty easy to spot. So if you think about an Airbnb by way of example, in the beginning, to most people, myself included, renting your couch sounds like a really dumb idea. Well, not so dumb, it turns out. Uh, and companies like Google, 
Amazon, Palo Alto Networks, uh, Cisco, Salesforce, these giant market cap companies are startups. You know, it's, it's easy to forget that Amazon was started by one dude about 25 years ago. One guy created that, right? And the same thing about Palo Alto Networks and Cisco and Salesforce. These are entrepreneurial companies that have changed everything. And they've not only um, um, built and, and delivered amazing products, but they've built an incredible company, product, and category at the same time. However, it's also possible for small entrepreneurs to do this. On a recent episode of my other podcast, Follow Your Different, we had Cards Against Humanity uh, co-founder, co-creator, uh, the designer Max Temkin on. And, um, you know, these folks had a crazy idea for, uh, you know, what you might consider a, 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 a rude, certainly provocative, what they now call adult party game. There was nothing like it. They raised uh, a few thousand dollars on Kickstarter, and today Cards Against Humanity is A, the number one selling card game on Amazon and has been for the better part of 10 years. And B, like all legendary um, marketers, Max & Co. designed a whole new category called Adult Party Game, and there are many, many dozens of knockoffs. Uh, another small entrepreneur example I love is... is um, I think if you'd hired, um, and I, I don't necessarily mean to pick on them, I, I admire them, but let's just pick on them anyway. <laughs> if you'd hired McKinsey and you'd said, hey, um, can you look at the bakery uh, market category in the United States and um, see if you can find, uh, you know, an opportunity for uh, a new category, uh, a new idea for a bakery. I doubt they would have come back with nothing bunt cake. But Nothing Bunt Cake has over 125 franchises, and they purposely differentiated themselves. They're not just a bakery. They're a chain of Bunt Cake bakeries. And so now they dominate a market category that they are the principal instigator, creator, designer of the Bunt Cake Bakery. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> And then another one I love is uh, started by a gal named Ste uh, Debbie Sterling. And uh, she graduated from Stanford. And I forget exactly what her degree was in, but it was in what, what today is called a STEM field, science, technology, engineering, and math. And so she, uh, she wanted to give the, uh, some of the girls in her life um, STEM toys for girls. And there were lots of STEM toys for boys, mechano sets and, you know, shit like that. But she couldn't, couldn't find any that would appeal to girls. And she saw that as a missing. And so she got passionate about solving that mission or that solving that missing. And today she's the founder of a company called Goldie Box instead of Goldie Locks, Goldie Box. And they are the, prim the primary uh, uh, purveyor and supplier of STEM toys for girls. And um, not only have they built amazing products, they designed a category and um, what you might think of as a movement. And uh, so much so that the Girl Scouts now have STEM badges um, uh, for girls uh, inspired by Goldie Box. So those are a couple examples of biggie entrepreneurs and smallie entrepreneurs. But regardless of where you want to look, as you start to look at it, you'll see the companies that matter the most matter because they designed and dominated 
a category that matters. They did something different. They weren't trying to just merely incrementally improve on what came before. They had the courage to stand on their own to create new categories of products and services and um, built the companies to execute against that. And if you think about it, here's sort of another corollary. There's no such thing as a legendary company in a shitty category. Uh, a simple example for this is, is Dell Computers. Dell once was a legendary company. They did design a new category, which was selling computers direct. Uh, back in the late 80s and early 90s, um, uh, when the personal computer was really beginning to take off as a category, the big players in the market, people like IBM and Compaq and others, um, they sold their products through a distribution channel. Dell said, we're going to sell direct to customers over the phone. And then, of course, when the Internet became a thing, they did that as well. And they were the pioneer of that model. They designed that category and they sold uh, desktops, servers, and laptops. Well, today, Dell is a $90 billion company. It's very well run. It does all sorts of stuff. And it doesn't matter. And the reason it doesn't matter is because none of the categories that Dell plays in matters. And so there was a point in time where Dell had one of the most powerful brands in technology. And today, their brand is dusty. And most people would say, oh, well, you know, they've done a shitty job of branding. What I would assert to you is no. A category makes the brand. And the reason Dell doesn't matter, in spite of the fact that they're a $90 billion company, is they don't participate, never mind dominate, any new technology categories um, that are forward-leaning. So they're a great company with great products, and nobody cares. IBM's also become a company like that. This is the company that is the category designer of the information technology industry. And it's a wonderful, giant company. By all accounts, it's a pretty good place to work. By all accounts, IBM does a great job for their customers uh, and their partners, and they do impressive technology and so forth. And as tough as it is to say, IBM doesn't matter today. And the reason they don't matter is because, again, they are not pioneering any new forward-leaning market categories of technology. They are viewed as somebody who leans back on it and at best is a systems integrator of other people's leading edge ideas, categories, and technologies. And so IBM is a wonderful company, but it doesn't really matter. They don't matter in the way that Google matters, in the way that Salesforce matters, in the way that Amazon or Apple matters. So categories make the brand. Categories make the company. And I would even assert to you, categories make your career. It's not okay to just be an accountant. You need to be a particular kind of accountant. And if your area of specialty and expertise matters, then you matter. And if you're just a generic accountant, you're probably gonna have a hard time competing today. And so I would assert to you that companies and brands only matter if they dominate their category. And category design is a new lens on business. And if you start to uh, play with the lens, you'll start to see categories everywhere. A simple example I like is um, dentists. Dentists intuitively understand that category comes first and brand comes second. So if, you think, if, you, if, you, if you're driving around and you noticed a sign for a dentist, what the vast majority of signs for dentists say is a big sign that says, dentist, and below it, 
Sally Smith DDS because dentists understand that first you need to see that they're a dentist and then second you see their name. If they said Sally DDS with a small font dentist, most people don't know what that means. So they put the category first and their name second because dentists understand that categories make brands. You and I think in terms of category. If I say to you, hey, I just heard about this awesome new car coming out. A typical answer would be, oh, what kind of car is it? And when we ask that question, we're asking, what category is it? Um, the other day, somebody asked me, hey, would you like a piece of gum? I said, what kind of gum is it? That's a question around, you know, is it bubble gum? Or is it, you know, uh, um, um, uh, like a breath mint gum? We as human beings put category first and brand second. There's been this huge explosion on the West Coast of the United States over the last decade or so in what now is called craft beers. And the category that's the most popular are IPAs, Indiana, uh, India Pale Ales. And, and so today, uh, it seems like at least where I live, there's a new craft brewery that opens up every 15 seconds. And you can't have a successful craft brewery in California today if you don't have multiple IPAs. And then they brand them uh, as something else, right? So one of my favorites, for example, is from Stone Brewing in Southern California. And they have a, 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 a brand called Delicious IPA, right? Another one of their brands I love, this is a side note, is called Arrogant Bastard. <laughs> but I digress. And so, but first I'm looking for an IPA because if I like the brand, then I'm interested in the category. If I don't, or excuse me, if I like the category, then I'm interested in the brand. I don't have children. And so if you market, if you're Chrysler and you market a minivan to me, it doesn't matter what the brand is. I'm not going to pay any attention. But if you're Ford and you market a muscle car to me, I am because I think muscle cars are cool. And if you think muscle cars are cool, you're probably interested in Mustangs. Category first, brand second. And so I would ask you to start to play with this category lens and ask yourself, um, um, why is this named what it's named? The second thing I'd ask you to think about is, why is it valued the way that it values uh, or is valued? You know, it blows me away. Uh, one of my favorite examples is um, a pair of high-end sunglasses can cost 300 to $400. And you can get a pretty good functional flat screen TV for 150 bucks. And so categories are also how we assign value to things. Categories are everywhere. And so I would assert, or I would, I would encourage you to play with the category lens, start looking at what things are called, the use of words, and why they're called what they're called, and how um, at the category level, things are differentiated one from another, and you'll begin to see categories at play everywhere. And then it'll lead you to the next aha, which we'll talk about in subsequent episodes, which is, hmm, the company that designs the category is best uh, positioned to dominate it. And that's why category is the new strategy. All right. We would like to thank the amazing folks at OneLifeFullyLive.org. This is the nonprofit helping you dream, plan, and live your best life. Check out one, the number one, LifeFullyLive.org. 1185 Design, 
1185design.com. There is a reason the most legendary companies and brands walk through the doors of 1185design because they build and design legendary brands in Silicon Valley. A, uh, a, a podcast that I absolutely love called The Brutal Truth About Sales and Selling by my buddy Brian Burns. He's fantastic. He is the uh, sales guru to the, um, um, <laughs> the, the stars. Check him out. Brutal Truth of Sales and Selling. A book I want to turn you on to written by my buddy Bruce Cleveland, who's also been a guest on my other podcast. His book is called Traversing the Traction Gap. And uh, he's mapped out a very powerful set of thinking uh, for how startups can avoid the, 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 the common uh, uh, sort of pitfalls and, uh, and get to escape velocity. It's a fantastic book. And he talks about categories, his concept he calls market engineering. Check out Traversing the Traction Gap. And the thought I'll leave you with comes from Maya Angelou, who said, I have learned that people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did. But people will never forget how you made them feel. Thank you. It means the world to me that you invest some of your life with me. That's it. Thank you so much. Stay legendary. And until we're together again, follow your difference.